Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I thought this was going to be great. No, no, it was slop again. <laughs> Brown slop. So 220 of 20 Minute Tims, this is the flagship podcast and I am joined by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. Good evening, good to be here. And I'm your host Jamie and we are all back from our holly bobs in Spain, we've just came back. There's no football to talk about this week lads, there is no football to talk about thanks to one man and one man only and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about him. I think it's been a what could possibly be classed as a suboptimal week for Celtic and Scottish football, isn't it? Not ideal, but, I'm sure we can well, all agree. I was, trying to look for, I was trying to look for the positives, and the positives are we're never going to have to watch Bowling go like left back again. <laughs> no, no, yep. never. We're never going to have to have that tiresome debate over who's, whose attributes is worth which game because he is no longer in the, in the picture in the slightest. It worked out well for us, really, but then he's cost us two postponements, but... If he'd have played, there's a fair chance he'd cost us six points. So at least this way, <laughs> exactly. I, exactly. This yeah, is the, at least got those two uh, games banked rather than yeah, at zero points. Yeah, correct. One more positive as well. In all likelihood, these games won't be played till next year. We could be back in stadiums watching them. Lads. Oh, good. Well, good man. I, I am so glad. I'm so glad we managed to dig out a, cu- a couple of positives here. <laughs> Um, by now we do the Patreon, you know all about the Patreon, you can check that out at patreon.com slash 20 minute times, you support us in exchange for extra content. We're also running a competition for the best review and just like last week we will reveal the winner at the end, yes. but let's just get straight into it, Stephen. Last week the news broke that Bolly and Goalie decided to take himself to Spain for four days uh, and then it turned out that four days wasn't based in reality at all, it was just what happens on social media, yeah. it was actually two days off that the Celtic players had. Bolingoli took himself to Spain, came back without quarantining, took part in the Kilmarnock game, trained with the squad obviously prior to it, was confronted with the evidence that he'd... Sorry, he wasn't confronted with the evidence. He was asked if he went away, mm-hmm, denied right. it, then was confronted with the evidence, at which point he burst and admitted to it, um, which caused... They cracked him, did they? Have him under they a lamp at, the, at Lennox then? <laughs> they obviously showed that photo, the photo of him on the plane, um, which obviously led to a response from Celtic fans on social media, the club, the SFA, Nicola Sturgeon, Jason Leach, the the country's clinical director. It was basically a national scandal, Bola Bola Goli, taking himself to Spain overnight. I don't think there's much debate, mainly, about how wrong that was. It, it was completely and utterly the wrong thing to do, correct? Yeah, it was very selfish, just... Look, we all know all the fallout from it, what happened, but so much more could have happened. It could have had the whole of Scottish football stopped. It could have got infected with this virus and spread it along, along Scottish football. I mean, going to Spain for an overnight, I'm like, what are you doing? You know you have to quarantine. Who do you think he is? Puff Daddy, man. <laughs> What's the... Well, he could be B Daddy, actually. That's who he could be. Uh, oh, he re- could not. <laughs> uh, a reference for the just... kids there, Puff Daddy. Yeah. He hasn't been known as that since 1997, <laughs> but... <laughs> Enjoy that one, teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just uh, so selfish. And just when we get the season back, you're thinking, uh, here we go. 
we get a tough game against Kilmarnock, you want to bounce back, and then you've no football for a week. It's utterly brutal. The guy's just sealed his, the end of his Celtic career if, if he hadn't already used performances, but just so selfish, man. So let's take it point by point, Stephen, as, as it broke on Twitter. The news that broke on Twitter was absolutely ferocious to the point that we... Yeah we had to get to the mics and record a special Patreon reaction on the afternoon that it happened because that's what the people wanted when yeah, we were well, bombarded with it. Perhaps the biggest <laughs> slap in the face for Celtic fans was that the news broke after we had released the, the previous week's Monday flagship podcast. The, the, the final insult was that we hadn't managed to cover it on there. Thanks a lot, Bowling Goalie. So selfish, so yeah. selfish of Bowling Goalie. So the first, the first thing I suppose that we need to address here is, or that I'd like to address is, the, the two days off. Mm. A, apart from bowling goalie, a lot of Celtic fans had a problem with the squad being given two days off. We put up a tweet, not defending bowling goalie as some people took it, but that's just the nature of social media. We put up a tweet outlining some of the reasons why the players might have two days off. One yeah. of those reasons might be Neil Lennon just decided to give them two days off. The other yeah. one of those reasons might have been that there's no space in the fixture calendar for the guys to get two days off because two days is just a weekend, such as the way that the games are all stacked up. And another one was that the players may be entitled to time off, which they 100% are, and yeah. there was just no opportunity to give them it. Rightly or wrongly, though, given the fact the, the team two days off, as far as I'm concerned, was immaterial. It was yeah. immaterial yeah. to the, the facts of the case. It didn't bother me at all. Were you annoyed when you heard that they had two days off prior uh, to the commandment game? No, I, th I think the natural reaction from some people was that, well, what do they need two days off for? We've only played one game. And right, okay, I, I can I can understand that point of view. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think that giving them two days off at this stage of the season, I, I don't know what their, their schedule is like in terms of training going forward because Lord knows we're heading into a lot of games, or, or at least we were. That we've ended up with significantly yeah. more than two days they've got all the time off they could ever <laughs> At that point, at the time that they were given two days off, I mean, no one could have foreseen this, but I understand that it's about, there's, there's a lot of danger this season that players will end up running into serious burnout because teams or clubs aren't really going to be probably spending the same amount as they probably would have planned to. There might not be an awful lot more transfers, so squads might might get thin this season and it's going to be a shortened season with a Euros at the end of it. Time off is going to be thin on the ground going forward and things like that need to be managed or else we're going to see a lot of soft tissue um, injuries. We're going to see a lot of muscle injuries this season. So whether it's right to give them after one game, I don't know. I'm not I'm not the expert. You would need to ask the, the sports science and the, the medical team for that. I'm, I'm happy to, to hold that their judgment is, is probably greater than the consensus on social media. But I, I did was, understand was, that people didn't really understand why, if you know what I mean. Well, I, can, I you know, I can understand you're saying why they're getting it. But even if, what, what, what my, I suppose my point of view is, is I don't care. You know, two two days off is not the end of the world. It's no, no and two it's certainly days not an invitation a, to go to Spain. That, that's one thing it absolutely is not. Is it an invitation? 100%. To, <laughs> two days is not you know, a, a red flag for a complete breakdown in professionalism and a manager <laughs> no, that doesn't no. give a, a toss. I mean, the way that this two days off was getting portrayed was, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Two days is a weekend, and throughout the course of a regular season, players will regularly get two days off their work. It just so happened that this season, there's a, I, my personal opinion is that I think, because of the fixture congestion, there's no winter break. You need to try and manage the guys as best you can, man. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Look, we went into this game. We only had we only had the one game, and then we get a couple of days off. That's fine. You need recovery time. I think the the main furore about it was about the four days off because after four days we went on to draw with Kilmarnock. If we'd have beat Kilmarnock, nothing had been said. But two yeah. days off after Hamilton's absolutely fine. You come back in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then that's you. No problem with that. So these things need to be managed. We need to get players' recovery time. Had a bit more recovery time than we possibly needed now, but we go on. So Bowling Goalie then, when he's given this two days off, decides to take himself on an overnight trip to Malaga, flying from Presswick on Ryanair. None of this none of this stacks up. Bowling Goalie must be making hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. It will definitely make hundreds <laughs> yeah. of thousands of pounds a year. He's definitely got plenty of money in the bank. Um, we saw pictures of a Yeti coming in for transfer talks in a private jet. So if he was so desperate to go to Spain for whatever reason, whether it was to meet somebody or whether it was to meet another club, which is one of the rumours, 
you think he would do the smart thing and charter a plane for himself. Can he, on the grand scheme of things, can he cost that much? There was a criticism, again, on social media, and I want to address some of the criticism and, and the points of view that people were picking up, because that's why we're here. There was a criticism that, from some quarters, that Celtic should do more to know where their players are at all times. From our point, from my point of view, reading what I've read, from what Neil Lennon said, he says the rules were clear to the players. They were told not to leave Glasgow. Is there more that Celtic could be doing, Melly, to to keep track of the players to prevent what Bowling Goalie done? Bug the phone. Bug the phone. <laughs> Bug the phone. Look, you're look. You, I mean, that's probably what it comes down to. Because if you if you want to, you know, at the end of the day, footballers are highly paid with amazing working conditions and a great job, but they're. They're still employees of a company. Yeah. And if Celtic turn around and say, aye, and Celtic turn around and say, we want to know where you are at all times. No player's going to go for that. Even if you want to know that, how do you facilitate it? Every single thing that you want to put in place relies on a player complying with the rules. In the case of Bowling Goalie, you've got a player who didn't comply with the rules anyway. So to assume he's going to comply with any new rule is just mental. They could have installed a, a program on each player's laptop. Do you remember the Jurassic Park thing? Another another reference for the kids there, a 1993 film. But do you remember you could have had uh, Peter Lowell... The Jurassic po- Park 93? Yeah. <laughs> if oh. if Bowling Goalie goes on Skyscanner, Peter Lowell pops up on the screen going, ah, ah, ah. Like, <laughs> like a wee animated gif of Peter Lowell. Short of that, I don't really know what they possibly... In all seriousness... How can they possibly trace? My favourite is keep the passports. Keep the passports. There's no prisoners. Like he's going to hand over his passport. That's crazy. I know. There are certain employment laws that even Celtic have to stick to, and I'm not sure that demanding a guy's passport off him falls into any any agreeable contract clause here. I don't know. I mean, you can ask. Yeah, you can certainly ask. Neil Lennon can get all the players around and go look. Enough's enough. Because of this Bowley situation now, I'm going to ask you all for your passports. You don't have to give them to me, but I'm going to ask you nicely for your passport um, so, so you're not leaving the country. But but that's all you can really do. But I think more of the questions here have to not fall at Celtic's feet. Um, they need to fall at Bowling Goalie's feet. Yeah. What does what does this say about his attitude? Don't Steven? put anything at his feet, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> no. probably miss it. This for me says that what we're dealing with Bowling Goalie is a guy that doesn't really give a shit about being a Celtic player, doesn't really give a shit about his teammates, his manager, the club. He's just floating about doing whatever he wants. That That's what it tells me, these actions. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, I think it's, it shows an absolutely stinking attitude. I'd love to be able to just say that it's probably just ignorance. Like, he probably just made a complete idiot of himself. He didn't realise the gravity of what he was doing and just made the biggest mistake he could possibly make at, at such a such an inopportune well, time. But I can't... Do you want me to play devil's advocate on that, though? Please. Because, because I was I was talking to... Sorry, rather, I was listening to the... Uh, Another podcast today that, that was that was talking about this and, and they covered some good points on it. Um, and, and and the point I suppose you could say is, say Bowling Goalie just goes about his life because you know doesn't doesn't really read the news, doesn't pay attention, lives in his wee bubble. There's you know I'm I'm not defending Bowling Goalie here, but what I'm saying to you is if he's looking on Skyscanner and he sees oh, I can fly to Malaga tomorrow for fifteen quid, just hop on. The, is, is he maybe someone that you could find yourself in a situation where he's assuming planes are going to Malaga? He's assuming hotels in Malaga are open. Yeah. He's, there's nothing stopping him. He can just step right on, go to Malaga and step right off and come back. He might just think, well, why can I not do it? The government are allowing me to do it. I suppose so. But then, I mean, every again, every every job's different. If your employer has expressly, specifically told you that yes. you can't do that, then that's... I mean, at this point, we need to take Celtic's word for it. We need to take Neil Lennon's word for it, that the players that's were told this. True. And I have to I have to assume that... I'm even, right, even... Let's forget about that. Let's, or let's say, for example, Celtic didn't tell him to not leave the country or didn't tell him to not leave Glasgow. Has he got nothing about him at all where he thinks, ah, I don't know if that's such a great idea. Or... I don't think he does. No, it's, maybe <laughs> I not. Don't. Or if he if he did think that and then just think, oh, well, I'll get away with it anyway, because from what we're led to believe is that he was nabbed and you know at least possibly tried to deny it, or at least sort of pleaded ignorance, said they didn't know what they were talking about until confronted with evidence that he had done so such a thing. It's, in terms of his attitude, now there's been stuff floating about about him for a while. Not in, I don't want to brand him as having a poor attitude, but there has been stuff. I think since, you probably can now. Well, I think yeah, at this point. yeah. I just I don't want to just retroactively like, fit him with this. Ah, he's a typical foreigner, doesn't he? Doesn't he get the club? I don't want to do that because I, I don't think there's any evidence for that. But what I, 
What I would point to is the fact that there was rumours, not, not so much rumours, but pretty strong, pretty strong chat in January that they tried to get rid of him in the last day of the, of the, the window mm. in, in January. And I can firmly believe that, to be honest. He's barely played since and just seems to have been completely out of the picture. There's been chat about him kind of falling out with management in the past. I don't want to just say, oh, since he came in, he's had a terrible attitude because I don't think that's true. But in terms of his attitude towards professionalism and towards his club's specific instructions and requests in this instance, it's a straight fail in terms of his attitude towards that. Yeah, Stephen's right. It's just, it's, again, it's just selfish just going in there. and Surely he can't be that where he doesn't have a clue. He's obviously got a clue. And if your manager says you can't leave Glasgow... That doesn't include going to Glasgow Airport and then getting in a plane. It's, that's all. Well, he left Paisley. Glasgow to go to Presswick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least go to the good airport. Come on. Stephen's right, though. Stephen is right. And despite what I said earlier about maybe misinterpreting what the rules were, because I don't think the rules are clear. And I'm going to ask you the rules in a minute, but I'm not convinced that the, for me anyway, personally, that the, the COVID rules are particularly clear. But as Stephen said, the minute you're told by your club, here are our rules, and the manager goes, here's my rules for your days off, it's it's a, a closed case. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. As long as it's been it's been absolutely abundantly clear. It's not like it's it's been like a breakdown of communication or a a translation issue. I, I don't think you can get "Don't leave Glasgow" mixed up with "Please leave Glasgow" and go to, <laughs> and go to Spain for one night. When you said "Don't leave Glasgow," when I said "Don't leave Glasgow," <laughs> did you think I said "Do go to Spain"? <laughs> um, let me ask you a question: Can me, Melly, Stephen, and Tom all go for a pint next week? No, no, we cannot. Why? Is that more than more than three households? I, I'm not really sure on the, the current guidelines. You're but, correct. It's, yes, I wasn't sure on it, but uh, yeah, no more than eight people from three households. And even when that, you are doing that outside, yeah. you still have to socially distance. No, that was will just be, a wee experiment. Yeah, well, people will be pointing to me and going like, oh, see, he doesn't even know, know the rules. How, how's Bowling Goal supposed to? But the difference is I'm, I'm being extra cautious. I'm not trying to flout the rules and, and just about succeeding. When I hear about people go like back going out to pubs and stuff like that, I'm still a wee bit kind of, uh, I don't know about that. I know the government's allowing me to yeah. at the moment, but even I'm still like, eh, don't know if I fancy it just yet. I'll see how it plays out. But Bowling Golly's the complete and utter opposite end of that spectrum. He's just out there doing doing maverick shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Neil Lennon called him one renegade. <laughs> so, you know, Neil Lennon said today in his pre-match press conference for the Reykjavik game tomorrow, that there's been no solution to ball and goalie, but they're working on it. I think, you know, Neil Lennon said that at the time, he's extremely angry and, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult for ball and goalie to get back into the club, uh, back into the team. It leaves Celtic in a very poor position, doesn't it? Well, we've got now got an asset. A lot of people say just sack him, but we've, we've invested in him. It wasn't yeah. uh, a million pound signing last year, if you can believe it. It was three million pounds. Somebody scouted him and said he was worth that, which... They should be sacked as well. But you can't just write that off after a year and just go, they just sack that guy. There's obviously going to be contract issues, but you've invested in the guy. You can't just write that off, especially... I think people were angry, Melly. I think I think that was just the, the reaction at the time. I think people were very angry about it and their their immediate go-to was sack him, tear up his contract. I think I think that was... Yeah, but if he the, wasn't a crap player, would you uh, want uh, him sacked? No. I well, there, there, yeah. I mean, there is that debate. I don't think for one minute, you know, it's very difficult to say if Edward had done it, would people want him sacked? Because the, the truth of the matter is, no, Edward wouldn't do it. No. <laughs> Edward's, Edward's a pressure. It's very difficult to pop someone else's in bowling goalie shoes and, and wonder if they would do it. The thing about tearing up his contract, though, you know, I, I want him sacked. I want him out of the club. I want him out as well. But... Is there a mechanism that exists for tearing up his contract? Probably. There's probably some sort of gross misconduct. I mean, look at look at the fallout from what bowling goalie's on. You can, we can, and we will have the conversation about whether it's measured or whether it's not. Um, but it, it's it's certainly it's certainly a a massive, massive national issue that he's caused. So does that fall under gross misconduct? Probably. But these things are always complicated. There's lawyers involved. Yeah. But but on, on your point, Melly, about us having an asset, we don't really. It's a worthless asset now because every club that comes to us looking at bowling goalie is going to know that we've just got a guy we want rid of. Yeah. So, that's, you know, we're going to go to... We'll we'll see, yeah, say someone comes to us and goes, you know, oh, we want bowling goalie. And we go, okay, two million quid. They're just going to say... Ha ha! Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to just laugh and they're laugh yeah. their faces. They suppose, know we want rid of the guy. I suppose when you, you're talking about taking a hit on him, you're taking a hit regardless whether you're willing yeah. to take a hundred percent hit 
is is a completely you know, a, a slightly separate issue. But one thing is for sure is he is a depreciating asset. Um, there's no way he's going to retain his value after this. So, I, I say it was probably the wrong word for me to use as well because it's a bit, it's a bit much. a liability. Yeah, he is <laughs> literally the, the in, in every sense of the word that he's a liability. <laughs> the response came. I think it's difficult to trace back the timeline, but the response came for the government, um, where they basically said Nicola Sturgeon said, you know, I, I wouldn't be expecting to see Celtic or Aberdeen as it were because they were caught up mm. in the scandal as well, playing a game for a couple of weeks. Jason Leach, the national clinical director, was on Sports Sounder on the BBC talking about how hard they hit the the Scottish Football Authorities. The Scottish Football Authority says they're going to look into it, and obviously this is a slap in the face for Celtic, who have been very proactive in leading the charge really to yeah. get football on during COVID. Non-political podcast. I'm not interested in any of these politics. I don't really want to have the discussion. However, I did think that the Scottish government maybe came down a bit too hard on football because I don't see, or maybe I'm wrong, you could tell me, I just don't see the same response coming if the oil and gas industry had guys flagrantly breaking the rules. I don't think they would ever turn around and say, right, no more drilling oil or no more lawyers doing lawyer stuff or no more estate agency. At the end of the day, football is... I know. <laughs> loyal, At the end of the day, football is a, a, a big industry. It's, it employs a lot of people. It's great for the economy. All these Forget bowling goalie and the players. If you turn around and shut down football, what about all these people in these jobs? What about... I just... Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think that's a viable a viable punishment at any F- stage, really. F- football's always the easy target, isn't it? It's always, oh, don't let them bevy because something happened 30 years ago. With this, it was the perfect storm for the Scottish government because it was right in the midst of the exam scandal. So it sort of took the headlines away from that for a day or two. So it was it was a good timing for them. And the Scottish FA and the government worked together to be able to get football back. And then... Two weeks into the season, you've got two different clubs doing all this. You can see why they maybe went went down on them, but to say it's going to be shut down, it just it's Sorry. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did they get rewarded for it? Did they? Um, yeah, I did find it. In my head. <laughs> I, I did find it strange, Stephen, that the, the government, you know, two-footed it. They didn't just let. They didn't really say, you know, uh, what the response I probably expected was well, we're going to give football a chance to get their house in order and if we feel they're not doing it, then we're going to get involved rather than get involved mm-hmm. the very next afternoon. I suppose that the problem with football is that, as Melly said, it's, a, it's an easy target, but for a number of reasons. Because, it's a political football. Yeah, and, and like, it, like it or not, football is, is obviously an awful lot more high profile than like, the oil and gas industry or lawyers doing lawyer stuff or, or anything like that. <laughs> yes. it's, lawyers it's, lawyering. It is no, at the forefront of a significant part of Scottish society. So I suppose the danger is, I suppose maybe looking at it from their point of view, if they start you know, running roughshod, if they start running buck wild out there and just breaking all the rules, then there is a danger that the people who look up to them, whether the players consider themselves, you know, I, I hate the term, but like role models, whether they consider themselves that or not, they're kind of being manipulated into that role because of, mm. of what's going on. Uh, that might be unfair, but the, the fact of the matter is they have been given certain special dispensations in order to for them to go back to their work and they have to they have to kind of toe the line they can't be out there just like wantonly breaking the rules i find it very very difficult to foresee a situation where not one footballer out of all the footballers breaks the rules again no, i just no. I, I i find it so difficult the rules are difficult to adhere to at the best of times. Mm. Um, as we've discovered, we're not entirely clear. Up. Well, I've sort of cleared them up, but they're not the clearest unless you're paying attention to them. I know clubs have got a job to do filtering this information down at the players and educating their players, but I just find it very, very difficult to foresee a scenario where we go through the whole season and and the, 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 no, not a single player breaks the rules again. I don't see it. So the fallout of it all was Bowling Goal is going to lose his job, Celtic are going to move him on. There's a lot of focus on football at the moment from the government that there probably needn't be with respect to coronavirus. And two games got cancelled. Now, people were questioning the logic of cancelling that. It's a fact. Jason Leach, to be fair to him, was very clear on Sports Sound about you know, why he cancelled these games, the people that Bowling Goal had came in contact with, and the fact that he spent so, so much or so little time actually on the pitch at Kilmarnock. I think he was only on the pitch for six minutes. The rest of the time, he was socially distanced away from the rest of the Kilmarnock squad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he his effect on the Kilmarnock team was nil, so they didn't really need their games cancelled. That was a massive 
massive opportunity that we handed to Rangers effectively in the league there. Rangers could have been 11 points clear of Celtic before we managed to kick another ball. Unfortunately, though, Rangers reverted to type and well, they, they couldn't do it. No, they they could not, and that was what, what was that I described the Celtic Kilmarnock game as last week a, a desperately poor uh, game of football. Rangers yes. Livingston was was in the same category. I, I I don't typically watch an awful lot of Rangers games. I only really allow myself to tune in if I start. I do because I'm obsessed. I am obsessed. <laughs> um, um, I only really allow myself to fully tune in if I get the sense that something is going to go badly wrong. So if it reaches say 55, 58 minutes and it's still nil-nil, I'll think, oh, I might pop on in there and see, what, see what's going down. So, <laughs> That's so exa- for- that is exactly what I did. <laughs> I didn't watch the whole game, but about the hour mark, I, yeah. I, I thought I'm going to get this watched. I start, I start getting my gifts all lined up and all that as well that I can start sending to people <laughs> and start, start arranging myself. <laughs> but no, I, I caught maybe the last 40 minutes or so. I, again, just desperately, desperately poor. The, the, the plastic pit stuff, you know, I'm kind of tired of talking about it, but it's obviously a factor in these type of things. I welcome However, it. Yep, it works, I, I welcome it works for it. us. <laughs> yeah. I know, I, I absolutely welcome it against against them. Don't like it so much against us, but when I watched <laughs> that game and how terrible it was, and to be fair, I did watch, I think I watched the second half or whatever, but it's good to get a look at what Celtic are up against um, at, at the moment. And Rangers, they weren't great against Aberdeen. That's the second time I've seen them. They really weren't great in that game either. Hmm. I'm not convinced that Rangers are definitely heading in the right direction. This could be the you know a cussed phrase here, but there's some players in that team that I don't think are are, are really up to it. Ryan Jack gave the ball multiple times to straight to a Levy player. Ianis Hadji more or less done nothing, and Morelos mm-hmm. has chucked it. That was that was my takeaway for the Rangers game. Yeah, it was a big chance for them. I mean, eleven points, even though we have got we would have the games in in hand, and we would have been playing on Saturday night. It's still a massive, massive gap just psychologically. But after all it happened, I was furious last week. Furious. It took me <laughs> yeah. well over a day to calm down. Taking away the games as well really, really hurt me. But then after that, I thought, you know what? It's no Celtic's fault. It's no the Celtic players' fault. It's no the manager's fault. It's no the board's fault. It's one guy's fault. So we're just going to get behind it now. Thank you for saying. I, oh, no, sorry. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I embraced yeah. the chase now. I thought, 11 points, do you know what? Bring it on, because see if Celtic go 11 points behind, I think we can claw that back. But see yeah. if it was the other way about, Rangers, well, not the other way about, but see if Rangers go 11 points ahead, I don't think they can handle the pressure. They've never been in that position. Mm. They won't know what to do. Every game, even now, every game they go into, they need to win right now to get these points ahead because it's an opportunity. And well, that's it. There's one big, tough big pressure game, on them. The one tough game they've them. got in there, they already... They already blew it, so already their fans are not happy with them. Morelos might leave. Look, I watched the second half. Of, well, I watched some of the Aberdeen game and eventually turned it off because it was dreadful. And then I watched the most of the second half of that Livingston game. They really lack creativity. They really do lack any sort of creativity. It's give the ball to Kent and hope he does something. So they blew this opportunity. It gives Celtic now a chance to go on a wee run now. And as long as we're within touching distance with them and we have these games in hand, because in all likelihood they'll not get played to next year, we'll, we'll be up there. We'll be up there with them. Welcome the chase, boys. Bring it on. <laughs> we will. We welcome the chase. <laughs> Celtic's next game is against KR Reykjavik in the first round of the Champions League qualifier. An absolutely ridiculous stage to enter Celtic in a European competition. Yeah. Really, really, we shouldn't be in amongst all these sorts of teams. Ah, last um, time, in it? Last time. Uh, yeah, our coverage of the Reykjavik game is pretty vast on Patreon. We're doing lots this season for all of the Celtic games. Ryan Brown has written a fantastic focus on our position piece. That gives you the lowdown there. Um, I've just recorded a Patreon opposition analysis with our resident scout, Blair Newman, who's going to look at the style of play and the strengths and weaknesses of Reykjavik, and that'll be available as a podcast. We're going to do a live show an hour before every match. We do a live YouTube show exclusive to Patreon where we preview the up-and-coming game, so we'll be doing that for Reykjavik, and obviously we have the Reaction podcast. But everything else aside, Stephen, it's a big game early in the season yet again. Oh yeah, I know, and you know, goes without saying. With all we've already spoken about tonight, preparations haven't been ideal, have they? Let's face no. it. Uh, Reykjavik, 
they they've been back playing since July, so I suppose in terms of match sharpness and and all that type of stuff, they do probably have a marginal advantage in that they've played more competitive games than Celtic. Having said that, though, they're not a great team. I, I would fully expect Celtic to go out and handily beat a team like Reykjavik. They are third in the league. Having a glance at the table, only the bottom team in the in the table, Ka Akureyri. I'm pretty sure I've nailed mm. that. Uh, they're bottom pretty of the league. Sure. Only they have scored fewer goals than Reykjavik, so they ha- they haven't been scoring an awful lot of goals, but still have managed to creep up the table anyway. <laughs> I, did, I had a look at a look at the squad, and what caught my eye is that they they have a 21 year old midfielder from Tanzania whose name is Adolf. Oh, <laughs> Adolf Bitigeko. Goodness me, uh, that that is a bold name to give your your kid. He's only twenty one. It's not like he it's not like he was born before the the previous most famous <laughs> holder of that name. Well, I tell you, he didn't come up in the the opposition analysis that the scout picked up. But there are some one or two players that Celtic need to keep their eye on. Um, but overall, the opinion is that the, the Reykjavik shouldn't really pose much of a, an issue for Celtic. And Neil Lennon more or less said as much in his pre-match press conference today. He was expecting a sticky tie, expecting them to sit in. It's one leg, Melly, though. Yep. And we've seen a couple of sort of one-leg shocks in, in, in the last week in the Champions League as it is. So what we want here, with, and it goes without saying, is we want to try and avoid another AK Athens, another Cluj, another, uh, God forbid... What was that? Lincoln Red Amps. That's the sort of thing we want to try and avoid, isn't it? Imagine that was one leg. Imagine (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're lucky it's at home and look, we've had the rest now. We've had plenty of preparation. We need to go into these matches fully prepared, professional game and get the job done. Yes, it is early in the season, but it's also later in the season than we'd previously been playing these games. Mm, yeah. So we've we've managed to play two games before this, uh, competitive mm. games, whereas before this would be our first competitive game. So there should be no excuses. Reykjavik played on Friday and they've just come back from a two-week shutdown because of the coronavirus as well. So there's plenty in there. Like they're third yeah. in the league. They've won the league last season. Obviously, they're in the Champions League, but previous to that, they hadn't won it from since the last time we played them and what was that, 2014 at Murrayfield under yeah, it was. old Ronnie Virgil was still playing for his scored so a double, didn't he? Yeah, I yep. wonder what whatever happened to him and the other guy who got a brace that day, Timo oh, Pukki, who was, who was the best striker in Europe for about six weeks earlier on this <laughs> season <laughs> I'm not expecting too much from him, I think Celtic should handily beat them but it's one of those games. I'm just, I'm just looking forward to Celtic playing again. You get this big layoff, then you get a wee layoff, and now we're back. We're back with a bang. Enough layoffs. I think we can all agree. Enough layoffs <laughs> for now. If we could get back to the football after getting back to the football, that would be fully up for that. One man who is in the squad for tomorrow is Albin Ayeti. He arrived five million pound transfer from West Ham. Even though I'm hyped about this transfer, this just seems. Celtic have just went out and spent £5 million on a striker and I feel like it's kind of low-key. You know, I don't know yeah. if it's like coronavirus or if Bowling Goalie took all the news or whatever, but I kind of feel like it's low-key. This is a player that Neil Lennon says he was, he's been looking at for a while. Celtic apparently tried to sign him from Basel, but West Ham came in and paid £8 million. You're not going to judge a player too harshly on one bad season at West Ham. You know That's kind of the, the profile of player that Celtic like to bring in someone yeah. who's lost their way a wee bit help them find it as usual full scouting report available on the Patreon um, we had Blair the scout go and watch hours and hours of, of footage from a Yeti from Basel and obviously what was limited at West Ham so we've got the full lowdown on Patreon of a Yeti but the long and the short of it is I'm, I'm pretty excited I like what I see but what we've got here is a player in the mould of Gary Hooper Scott mm. McDonald finished with both feet likes to get in amongst it he did Take a wee while to make his mind up though, Stephen. Yeah, it did. And, and Melly and I spoke about this on the, the most recent episode of the Friday Phone and on Patreon. I'm not going to hold that against him. Like, the guy moved to England for a reason, probably because someone there thought he was good enough to play there. He probably backed himself to go there. He might see Scotland as a bit of a sideways step. You know, he probably mm-hmm. fancied himself either staying in England or staying in London, whatever, whatever the case may be. If he took a week to decide his future, <laughs> I'm not going to hold that against him. Do you know what I mean? Ultimately, he made the decision yeah. anyway. I know a lot of people were saying, I think he said in his uh, his initial sort of press press releases that once Celtic came in, I didn't have to think about it. I was, it's obviously just been, <laughs> obviously just been handed a note with yeah. saying that on it. And a lot of people were saying, oh, you're lying already. But I, I, who cares? The end result is 
he's a Celtic player. The the transfer itself, I was quite encouraged by it. I was quite excited by Ayeti because, as you say, Jamie, he's, he seems to fit the profile of a Celtic player. But I did become conflicted on the transfer when I heard that one of Charlie Adams' pals told him that he wasn't very good, and Charlie yeah. Adams. Charlie Adams' WhatsApp group or something like that said that Ayeti wasn't very good. Or the rather, grapevine, I think he called <laughs> it. I'm actually surprised at that point. That point, I'm actually surprised that Celtic didn't pull out the transfer. Out oh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, exactly. Or rather, to give Charlie Adam his... I'm not sure. What was the platform he was on? Was it that uh, PLZ Soccer, I think it was? PLZ yeah. Sport, it yeah. was, yeah. Um, so he said that he heard that Ayeti is not at the level everyone thinks. Key word there, everyone. So in his own, <laughs> yeah. his own words... Everyone thinks a Yeti is good, apart from Charlie Adam and the voices in his Halloween pumpkin head. So those, <laughs> those so far are the only two people who don't rate him. What, what level are you talking about here, Charlie? He's not, he's not at what level, because he's definitely of the Swiss league level. The reason West Ham signed him is because they looked at him and decided, he's of a decent level, we think he can play at our level. He's not yet Premier League level. Right, okay, right, I'll accept that. It didn't work out for him, but so are quite a lot of players. Moussa Dembele wasn't at Premier League level yet. Paddy Roberts wasn't. Boyata wasn't of Premier League level. I'll accept those types of players who haven't quite proven that they're Premier League level yet. Are we implying that he's not of Scottish football level? Because I find that very difficult to believe. Because (laughs) as I've already mentioned, he's definitely of Swiss football level. The best part of it though was he said... If you think the level in England is tough, just wait till you come to Scotland. Wait till you go to Livingston, Hamilton, Ackies. That'll open the lads' oh. eyes up. Now, on this podcast, we all love Scottish football. We wouldn't do a podcast about Scottish football if we didn't have an invested, like, a, a deep-seated passion somewhere in us about Scottish football. But even at that, that is objectively bollocks, Charlie Adam. Oh, <laughs> if he just... thinks playing in England is tough, just wait till he goes to Hamilton, Ackies. That is, what he has done there is the equivalent of that famous old messy wet night wednesday whatever stoke it was i'm so tired of it i'm honestly so tired of it like see between charlie adam on the internet with that, oh, with that plz sport thing as an internet show if people wonder what i'm talking about um and then chris boyd after the rangers game <laughs> you feel like you're bat. you feel like you're you're beating this drum every single season but here's us right a lowly wee podcast three guys that do a podcast because we love the celtic we are reaching out to Greek journalists to talk about Barkas. We're getting these guys scouted. Yeah. But what is what, what, where do, where does where does the, the the bigger the big dogs go? They ring up Charlie Adam, who comes on <laughs> and talks about a player he's probably never seen. I and I would love to know honestly. I would love to know what Charlie Adam's teammates think about him because if there's one player in the world in Britain who famously is nowhere near as good as he thinks he is, <laughs> it's Charlie Adam. Well, just have a wee read of Craig Bellamy's book about Charlie oh, yeah, Adams, yeah. first day at uh, Liverpool, and then you'll find out all about Charlie Adam. <laughs> An absolute disgrace. You make a good point there, Jamie, because yeah, we we try and do our homework. Like, we, from what with what resources we have, we try and do the best we can. So why don't people like Charlie Adam come prepared with their own opinions? See if Charlie Adam had watched the Yeti himself several times and concluded that well he's not good enough, he's not got it. But fine, I would at least respect his opinion. I don't have to agree with it, but I would respect the fact that he had done his homework and, and come to some sort of conclusion. Uh, so why this sort of insecure we... Oh, someone told me. Who who told you this? Who told you he wasn't well, a level? Could... You've not seen him yourself. It would be funny if it was Lee Griffiths, so, wouldn't it? I'd really go. I heard these pish. I heard these pish. <laughs> Just on Lee Griffiths, so a final thing on what the pish Charlie Adams spoke was. It seemed to be all geared towards wondering how it leaves Lee Griffiths. It doesn't matter. But that's not how you go about conducting your transfers. You don't say, well, don't no. sign this guy because it might upset a player we've already got. That's complete and utter nonsense. Well, that's the case with well, any where transfer. Where does it leave Lee Griffiths, though? Where does it leave Lee Griffiths? Because for sure, I don't think Odson Edwards is going to be looking over his shoulder at the arrival <laughs> no. of uh, Albina Yeti. Um, Patrick Clamalla will shunt him down the, the pecking mm. order, naturally. Bio, we'll discuss him in a minute, but he's no longer at the club. Lee Griffiths, and certainly the mould of the player that Ayeti's in as well, he's more towards the Lee Griffiths spectrum, although sort of lies in between uh, Edward and Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths really got to be looking over his shoulder here a wee bit, doesn't he? Because there's real competition. You know, I kind of feel that before Lee Griffiths' condition was lacking. Neil Lennon said that, you know, last season he was fit enough to play some of the Scottish games, but not as fit as like. But sometimes, you know, if there's no other options, we found ourselves falling back on Lee Griffiths. 
Might not have to do that so much anymore, Melly. No, I don't think uh, Lee Griffiths will be looking over his shoulder. I think it'll be. Can a I just stop I... you? Can I just stop you as well? See if you want to tweet me personally and tell me that Lee Griffiths is a forty-goal year striker. <laughs> just, just block me instead, right? <laughs> just block me and delete your own account. Carry on. Uh, see if I don't think it will be Lee Griffiths looking over his shoulder to have a wee check. I think it will be a Yeti looking over his shoulder, going, "Here, mate, I'm ahead of you now. Well ahead of you, <laughs> I see and I've not even done it yet." <laughs> Because Lee Griffiths has proven he can't he can't do it anymore. He can't even be fit enough to be in. So he's behind Edward, quite rightly so. Probably a Yeti now and still behind Clamalla. So he's got a lot of work to do. Lee Griffiths, he's there, but he can't play. So we can't worry about him right now. He needs to get fit. And then he's got to put the pressure on a Yeti and Clamalla. A Yeti, I'm, I thought he'd come in with a loan to buy. And I was happy with that. I'm delighted we've been able to get him in on a permanent deal. I think he's the right kind of player to get a guy that's played in the Europa League, the Champions League, international football, 23 years old. It's the kind of calibre I want Celtic yeah. to be buying. I don't want these three £2 million players that we'll speak about to them later that don't work. I want guys like this. For all intents and purposes, Ayeti should work out for Celtic because what have they done? They've went out and spent pretty big. They've got a guy on a decent wage with a good pedigree coming in. I was all aboard the Ayeti boat and I'm, I'm still like, well, Ayeti The Ayeti yacht, you mean? Ayeti uh, Ayeti. Yeah, <laughs> you can get that in there. No, we can't. We certainly cannot. Um, yeah, speak, speaking of fees, Melly, you touched on it. That's another thing I want to bring up as well. Like, talking about low-key, the Celtic just went out spent the best part of 10 million, 11 million quid, depending on your source on two players. We went out, no messing about, bang, went out and bought a goalkeeper, went out, no messing about, didn't even bother loaning them, put the money down, bought ourselves a, bought ourselves a new striker. Yeah, just on that as well, Neil Lennon, just the last thing on a Yeti maybe, that Neil Lennon I think deserves a lot of credit for this deal, to get him to come permanently is really good, I think it's a bit of a coup for the club, but also maybe he was having a wee bit of doubt but Neil Lennon spoke to him and it seemed to change his mind maybe Lennon doesn't get enough credit for that because he can do that with players he can go and chat to them show them what they're about make them feel good and then that's probably what swayed the guy's decision it was all of summer has been Lennon's number one target we've been linked with him we've been linked with Fletcher we've been linked with Tony but we waited and got a number one target and that's better than just going out and getting the guy that's just as they're available because we could have paid more money or we could have got Stephen Fletcher and then Ayeti's available so I'm glad we've got the number one target we didn't get Foster so we went and got the other guy so it seems like Celtic have sort of got the house in order apart from a shitty left back I don't believe you though really I don't believe Lennon persuaded him I've heard he's an arrogant violent dinosaur so no, I, I think he, he pinned him up against the wall mate pinned him up against the wall pinned him up against the wall snarled at him and he signed the contract under duress Neil Lennon is not Ray Winston. That's, that's, not, that's not the way these things play out. Um, so if you'd like the full lowdown from our scout on Ayeti and what to fully expect from the player, you can find that as a podcast and a report card on patreon.com slash 20-minute Tims. Um, there's been a lot of spending from Celtic only on two players with multiple positions still that we need to strengthen. I think outgoings are, are to be expected Maybe not buy on Fed, maybe someone that was we're gonna sell for some money and we'll touch on the cham rumours in a minute. But we saw the we saw Vacuum Bio leave the club after joining after joining in January two thousand and nineteen and we saw Marange Fed leave the club as well after joining in January two thousand and nineteen. What does the departure of these players say about Brendan Rogers and the recruitment at his time specifically, but also about the sort of two to three million pound players from slightly obscure leagues? that Celtic try and buy and turn into players, Stephen. What does that say about that versus the £6 million for, or £7 million for Julian, the £6 million for yeah. Barkas, the £5 million for a Yeti? Well, exactly. I think the, both things can coexist. I think if you get the balance right, I think they can do both. But what I would always say to these things is, yeah, nine times out of ten you get what you pay for. I think we've yeah. been saying it so often the last couple of seasons. However, I do... As much as I'm annoyed at these guys coming in, doing nothing and then being loaned out and then they'll probably be loaned out for the rest of their contract and then just disappear in, into obscurity, as much as I do get annoyed at these things, ultimately I can understand why it continues. I think Celtics still do well enough out of their transfers to offset the, the wastes that these guys are. 
the markets that these guys... I don't know, man. I don't, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe not. But I think if you're if you're going to sell a Dembele for quite a lot of money, if you're going to sell Tierney for quite a lot of money, I know Tierney wasn't a, wasn't a signing. I think you can afford to take like a million pound hit or whatever on one of these guys because yeah. you know, Schved could have worked out they don't sign them knowing that they're going to be a complete waste of money the idea with Schved would have been that sign them for 1-2 million and sell them for 12 to Southampton or whatever That that is the plan ultimately it's not always going to work out the markets that Celtic are shopping in I mean look at modern football we're talking about 100 million pound players at minimum for like the the top end of the the the, the spectrum of players right that that's that's where it's gone we're still trying to find excellent players we're still trying to find guys who are going to make impacts for us in Europe potentially for a million pound that's no easy that you in the ponds yeah. that we are fishing it's not all like rainbow trout. It's not all salmon. You will you will catch some condoms and shopping trolleys in there. <laughs> 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 the, 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 you will ultimately catch a few a few minnows. Ultimately, I I wish it wasn't the case. I wish they were all home runs. Um, I'm mixing my metaphors up an awful lot here, but I wish they were all successes. But as much as I am annoyed at these guys uh, or these these transfers, I do understand why the model has to prevail in these things and they're not always going to be successes. It's, it seems that anyone though really sub four million doesn't really do it for Celtic. No. And even going back as as, as far as um, Brendan Rodgers, I don't want to go back much further because it'll be boring, but sub four million, that bracket you've got. And if I asked you to name the flops, they would all be sub four million. But in that sub four million bracket, obviously you've got Moussa Dembele, but that all doesn't count. We're, we're not going to include that one. But you've got all the flops. You could name them off, even if I didn't tell you the price range. You know, you've got the Gamboa, Gamboa rather, the Ibuie Kouassi, the Johnny Hayes, the Kundai Benyus, Lewis Morgan, Marvin Comper, Jack Hendry, Bole, Bowling Goalie. It's, it, it goes on and on. You, laterally, we've got Klamala and Soro. We we're happy to give them a bit of time, yeah. Shved as well. But it seems like the sub four million bracket, of which there are lots and lots of players, I, I'm just not sure that it, I know what you're saying, Stephen. And we have to be canny and we have to do our homework. And if we're sure, but I think we also need to go in with our eyes open. You know, if you're going into that market to buy a sub four million pound player from maybe an obscure league like the, the Slovakian League or the Polish League or where do we get the Ukrainian League where we've got Marian Fed, I think you, you need to do more homework. Yeah. You need to maybe spend a, an extra 50 grand a year on a data guy or an extra 50 grand a year on a, two scouts and make sure that you're you're making these decisions with as much information as, as you possibly can because Sved is a probably a difficult one because he, he was attitude. Yeah. Now, you can maybe speak to other people about Shved, but no one's going to grass a player in for being crap. Well, he did you know go I mean? to Sevilla and had to go home because he was homesick. So there's there's a red flag already. International problems as well. He's had problems at international level with it as well. See, yeah. Sorry, see just on Shved. I, I still think, despite the fact there was a, a kind of low output and essentially low risk signing on paper, I still think it's an unforgivable purchase because of his thinking attitude and his, his history with it. If you if you listen, to, I've recently read the the cracking book, The Nowhere Men, by Michael Calvin, and it's about talent spotting. In that is covered extensively about how scouts will go to every length to find out as much as they can about players as they possibly can, to the point where people are going undercover as autograph hunters just to see how the player reacts to the general public. They want to find out everything about the person's personality, and they've just not done that with Fed. It just turns out. Maybe, maybe they thought, right? Well, we can be the club that finally turns this guy around, but they didn't. And I think it's, I think it's odd I mean, that this due diligence wasn't done. I mean, I can sort of forgive Schwed in another example, for example, Stephen. So Schwed, one point seven five million. He's, he's playing remotely. He's playing in the Ukraine. Maybe we did know about his attitude, but we looked at his stats and we looked at his ability and went, Do you know what? This is a six million pound winger, but he's got this attitude yeah. problem. And see, for eight hundred grand up front, we can try and fix that. Yeah, maybe that's what they looked at. But when you look at other players like Jack Hendry, for example, who played in the same league as us, you know, who who played in down the road, we should be able to pick up the phone. I, I, I dare say that you, us three in this podcast could pick up the phone. I don't know this person, but f- by the end of the week, know everything about Jack Hendry, mm, about what yeah. sort of you know what I mean. Because Scottish football is a small pond. Yeah, 
and, and you're looking at that going, how did, you know, Malumbu, there's another one. We should know everything about these players. We, we don't, they're, they're arriving and we're taking a punt. And although it's, you're looking at it going, maybe, you know, there's, there's no damage and it's low risk and it's, you know, sometimes high reward, sometimes low reward. I'm struggling to remember the last player that we bought for cheap and developed and sold for big money. I'm not talking about, when Yama Van Van Dyke was a was a while ago, Foster yeah. now was a while ago, but certainly since Brendan Rodgers came in, and again you don't count Mr. Dembele because we got him cut price. It's on a extraordinary deal, but, circumstances yeah. to do with Dembele. That's not an yeah. unearth gem. He was already known to most of England, but it, you know, there was talk about him being transferred to Spurs and others for six seven million pound. That was a that was a loophole we got him through. It wasn't yeah. like a just picking him up over the cheap. I'm just struggling to find any more of these sorts of guys that that, that were flipped, Melly. Yeah, it really does my tits in, to be honest, because <laughs> I think with Celtic... See what you think. Yeah, Celtic being in the position they are, they need to be better at this. You need to be a, like a scaled-down Liverpool or a scaled-down Man City. Very rarely do Liverpool now sign a player that doesn't work out. Why? Because of all the data analytics, because of all the scouting, because of all the lengths they go to to make sure these players work and fit into the system. Celtic don't do that. It always seems to be punts in the hope that these guys will be good. None of them have turned out good. None of them well, have it doesn't been... all, It's not always punts. I think it's fair to give Celtic credit. It's not always punts. Christopher Julian wasn't a £7 million no, punt. No, but... but the... what, what you're saying is when, when they're at the lower at the yeah. lower end of the market... Yeah, I'm talking about the guys... taking punts. Yeah. Two, two million and all that. Whereas, see all the, all the guys that you spoke about, over £4 million, How many of them have failed? None. No, hardly any. Yeah. None yeah. of them. They've all done well. So Celtic are still trying to fish in a market that doesn't exist anymore because see your £1 million player from 10 years ago, that's now a three £4 million player. It's, I think it doesn't work problem, for that anymore. I think part of the problem as well is that, you know, how do you, how do you find these unearthed gems is what we're trying to find, Stephen. How how does someone... But why do we need to do that? But What I'm saying is how does someone find themselves as an unearthed gem? They're unearthed because people don't know an awful lot about them. But see if there's other teams fishing the same pond as you, but they're doing more of their homework. Yeah. So if they're, if they're looking more, yeah. these unearthed gems, they, they don't stay unearthed much longer. You know, they don't stay unearthed very long because in the four million pound and under pond, we have got maybe teams like I don't know Salzburg, who are yeah. mass, massive on scouting, massive on analytics, massive on data, and they're going and they're plucking these guys from other leagues before we've even discovered they exist, and then we find them when they bang in two goals against us in the Europa League or whatever. Yeah, having spoken about this now, I think I agree with you, Melly, about the the non-existence of this this bracket that Celtic are trying to shop in. The thing is, and it will probably lead us quite nicely onto the next subject, you can still get a return on a £4 million player. It doesn't have to be a £1 million player selling for 20. Buy a £4 million player and easily selling for over £20 million. I know that's not the same level of, of profit, but to me it still represents a massive success to find a guy like that who is obviously good rather than I don't want to use the word punt, but much more of a gamble than someone like Olivia and Cham would have been. I suppose it, it depends how we do it, because if you look at Brendan Rodgers, you know, recruitment was a big thing under Brendan Rodgers. He brought in Congerton, he had the fallout yeah. about Schwed now. Shambles, yeah. Brendan Rodgers, Schwed was famously the player that says, Brendan Rodgers, I've got a million wingers, I don't need another <laughs> one. But Brendan Rodgers brought in somewhere in the region of 20-odd players to the club. Off the top of my head, Edward and Cham, who's, who's still at the club? Is that it? Bain? And, and Bain. Even then. The 20, and even then, it. he's no contributing. And, and we can probably relinquish Brendan Rodgers from the credit of Odson Edward because he himself called him a no-brainer. So you're, you're left with really... <laughs> no credit. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, le- you're left with Encham. Uh, he was a big fan of Encham. Like we can do what we like on this them. podcast. Yeah. If we want to yeah. remove all credit from discovering this previously untested teenager and turning him into the player he is, then we'll do that. <laughs> But look, Brendan Rodgers said that himself. He said it was a no-brainer, which to <laughs> me means yeah. you don't need to put any thought into it. You just okay. buy him and he's great. I just, what, what, I suppose what I'm getting to is I just hope that this, um, if we're going to shop sub £4 million, we really need to do We really need to do our homework yeah. a lot better than that. But I hope this sort of bracket that we're finding ourselves sh- dipping our toes into more and more often, the likes of Julien and now with Barkas and Ayeti joining, I-, I hope that's more the direction Celtic want to take it, obviously. Yeah. See if you bring in one or two, to... but one or two £1 million players every season or so, that's fine, not three or four. Well, of course, because well, yeah, 
I mean, even just in the last couple of seasons or last season or so, you can you can suppose you could turn to Greg Taylor. Didn't cost a lot of money. Yeah. He'd been absolutely fine. It's a wee bit different Frimpong. coming from Scotland or like England because it's a wee bit a better market. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, if yeah, you're doing it, Jeremy Frimpong, for example, you've got a. Uh, El Hamed, I suppose, cost about what was he two million, two million quid or something. So you definitely can find players there. Obviously, though, um, if Celtic are going to be shopping in this more expensive market, we do need to bring money into the club. Um, obviously, Celtic had forty million pound in the bank, and their bank balance was very buoyant. But coronavirus hit Celtic as much as it hits any other club, and usually, in every summer, we sell a player. Yeah. Usually, we sell we sell a player. If we don't get All the Champions signs, League. If we don't get in the Champions League, all signs at the moment are pointing to Olivier and Cham being the player that, mm. that's that's been linked elsewhere. I still find it remarkable that teams like Southampton and Everton want to sign a player from Celtic for the quoted fees of about fifteen million quid, who can't get in our team. On and Cham, I would feel disappointed if he left because I really feel like we wouldn't have seen the best of him. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I, I think we're all huge fans in Cham, and that's exactly it. We just think there's a player of a season season in that guy. There's a guy that can go in for a full season, perform, and we'll see the best of him. And see if he leaves after that, happy. But I just feel, see if he leaves, he's going to go on to have a really good career. And we'll be like, how come he was maybe like that for us? But it's just circumstances haven't allowed it. But I think this season of all seasons, we could really do with keeping in champ. Going again back to just with the maybe being behind Rangers for a bit, I think getting into the Champions League this season is imperative just so we've got the Tuesday-Wednesday games. And then if Rangers are in the Europa League, they're playing on the Sunday. So if we could claw right, back yeah. those points as they are doing that, instead of both being in the Europa League, that would be an advantage. But I think Olivier Cham, I'd love to hang on to him. I think there's other players in the squad that I'd rather sell. But I wonder if we can scrape into the Champions League this year if we don't need to sell any players. But I just, don't go, Ollie. Don't go. Olivier Cham, I would be very sorry to see him go. And I agree with the points made. I don't think we'll have seen the... The peak of Olivier Cham, I don't think we'll have maybe get the best out of him here. I think he's had some some great moments, and I think he's an absolutely brilliant player. Me, if I, if I was in charge, I'd have him in the team every every single week. Yeah. I know there are various circumstances around not picking him. I did say on a previous episode that what we'll maybe find out in a couple of weeks' time is that he's on the verge of going, and that's why he's not in the team. And I said mm, at the time, I'll be willing to, to accept that. That's fair enough. You don't really want to be playing a player or relying on a player rather who's one foot out the door that's fine I just I, I don't want to see Take him go Take Stevie G Yeah exactly I, I don't I don't want to see him go I never really want to see quality of that level leave the club I, again I, I'm, I'm trying to be balanced about it I do accept why he has to go at some point I think with three years of a player of Olivia and Cham's talent I think that's probably more than you would expect signing a guy like that I think two years is generally the maximum so in a, I just I don't want to see him go because I worry about the midfield options now <laughs> without getting into the the kind of tired and as yet has unmoved uh, Brown debate because he hasn't played a game since we last spoke about it without getting into that again I think you're looking a little bit thin if Olivier Cham and maybe a suspected Tom Rogic was to go I worry about the the, the midfield variety if one or both I mean, of if, those if, guys go at the end of the day, we're, this is the most important season, as we keep saying in Celtic's history. If you're letting a player of Olivier Cham's quality go, or you're thinking about it, you better be thinking about bringing one oh, in. Yeah. yeah. We need we need them, like you say, but it's thin. There's questions over how much football Tom Rogic is going to be playing under Neil Lennon, how much he's planning on getting featured. You know, as, as much as the club have got issues to deal with as far as coronavirus and all that sort of stuff goes, I kind of feel like it, this is the season where you need to spend big, you need to not mess about, you yeah. really, really need to make sure you're getting these things yeah. right. If Encham wants to go, fine, get him out, but bring in someone just as good. Yeah, I, I, for sure. Don't penny pinch and mess about. He's Encham also brought us another Chris Boyd classic. Remember he said he, he definitely wanted to go, then he signed a new contract. Right? A couple of oh, just on later. Chris Boyd. I'm glad you mentioned him, Melly. Absolutely great having Dan Fletcher on uh, to oh, translate for Chris Boyd. But Chris Boyd goes, for me, the thing is, like, eh, oh, but, and you're looking at it and you're thinking to Morelos and, and then Darren Fletcher comes in and goes, what Chris is trying to say is that he wishes uh, Morelos would do a bit more movement up front. Brilliant, absolutely, so helpful. Yeah, it must be it must be uncomfortable for Chris Boyd to not only have a vastly more intelligent person doing all the work for him, but to have such a 
an enormous gulf, an enormous yeah. yawning chasm in talent between the, two, the comparisons of the, the two guys' careers. Uh, there's no way Chris Boyd recognises that. There's no Chris Boyd to be sitting looking at going, I was all right. Uh, I, he, he was all right. I had a few good games, but he's no Chris Boyd. And on that, I suppose this is as good a point as any to wrap up. No football to talk no. about, no Celtic to talk about. There will be, obviously, when we return next week for the flagship podcast. But thanks to Bowling Goalie, there was plenty to discuss. As mentioned at the top of the show, we are running a competition. If you leave us a review on iTunes or Podcast Addict, along with your Twitter name, we will pick the best one each week and send you a gold badge. Last week, I was feeling generous because Celtic had a bad result. We dished out three, but this week, it's only one. So, Stephen, the best review of the week. Yeah, the clear winner um, this week was from a, a name that's familiar to us. He said, yeah, again, another great podcast. Great listen, especially from a return flight from Spain. Would definitely recommend. Best regards, Bolly, Bowling Golly and Bumbo. So if, <laughs> you're welcome, Bolly. But that, that, was, that was from Jordan Murphy. So we'll, we'll be in touch. And on that, we shall end. I just want to say thanks very much to everyone who listens. Thanks to everyone who leaves reviews and gets in touch. And obviously, thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Stephen? Yes, I agree, Jamie. Thanks um, just to to echo those sentiments. Thanks very much for all of the above. And we'll we'll catch you next week. Melly. Cheers for your ears, folks. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.